Hallelujah. Amen. Well, it's lovely to be with you again this morning. I'm beginning to feel quite at home here. <laughs> You'll be getting fed up with me this week. Lovely to see you on Zoom. Thanks for joining in. And it's a joy to have you. We're continuing our series this morning in 1 Corinthians. And, uh, well, we'll read, the, we'll read the chapter first. We're in chapter 5 this morning. And we're reading on verse 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's body. And you're puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that even as done this deed may be taken away from among you. But I verily, as absent from the faith, or present spirit, have just obeyed, as though I were present, concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you gather together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory and your boasting is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven liveneth the whole lump? Put out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. But even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in the epistle not to accompany the fornicators, yet not altogether the fornicators of this world, or with covetous or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then you must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you that not to keep company, if any man is called a brother, be a fornicator, a covetous, or an idolater, or a wailer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. For such a one, no, not to eat. What am I to do to judge them also that are without? Do you not judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among you that wicked person. Amen. May God have the blessing, the reading of his word. And when you read that, you think, goodness me, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Well, you've got to understand that uh, Paul doesn't start the verse 1 in chapter 5. <laughs> that follows what is the content of what he's already been saying. He's not jumping in cold at the beginning. He comes in after he expressed his care and his concern and his desire for the best. In the preceding chapter, he expresses his care and concern for the design of this. He says, I want you to come behind in nothing, in no gift. I don't want you to miss out anything that God has freely given you. I want you to stand together in the unity of your faith, which is not based on human philosophy, but on the revelation 
of God in Christ Jesus. For you are the temple of God. And when it comes to chapter 5 this morning, the desire says that you might be a new lump. Ever had your parents say you get a big lump? That's not very complimentary, but that Paul here is saying, I'm desiring you be a whole lump. Nothing corrupting, nothing short. And he's talking about the individual and he's talking about the fellowship. So all he has said to them is for I want you to know the fullness of God. I want you to know the purity of God. I want you to know that you're the temple of God and God dwells in you. And everything he has for you. So that's his heart when it comes to him. So he begins to get this. Chapter, yes, it's, but now in the original manuscript, one of the verses of chapters, this is a long letter. So he's in mid-flow. And he comes and he says, you know what? I've heard reports about you. And some of those reports are that they tend to give you a reputation, don't they? And the charismatic movement and there's all sorts of reports coming about with them. You know, some that were justified somewhere, you know, but it stains the reputation of a movement. Good thing is there's only good reports that we get. I think we've been here two, nearly three years now. And I haven't heard the bad report. The reality is you are the report. You're the reputation. You're the testimony of the church. But that wasn't the case in Corinth. Paul says, I've heard these reports. You're fighting among yourself. You're competing with one another. You're smashing. And you're allowing immorality and sexual business. And the trouble is, you're not concerned about it. You're not upset about it. You're even boasting about it. It's a difficult thing. Corinth is a town in a city was known for its immorality and its sexual permissiveness. It was a seaport town. It was full of temples, prostitute temples, pagan worship. And that was a society in which the convicts were drawn from. And it's quite easy for them to adopt the practices of the day. So the concerns about the reports were about, well, you know, they're not good, and you ought to know better, because you're coming to the revelation of God. As is the case today, when you come into the church, and breaks in the moral values of our society. Well, they have to be washed, they have to be sanctified in the world, they have to learn what it means to follow Jesus. But Paul's not condemning the, the young or the newborn babe or the ignorant who have yet to learn. <laughs> He's talking about those who know the truth, reject the truth, and rebel against it. And that's the issue he's dealing with. The morality. What do we mean by morality? Well, morality is the accepted standards of right and wrong behaviour or practice, or the accepted values. Yeah. When I was uh, first converted, I remember well there in the late 50s, when you talked about people who come to Christian, they would say, oh, 
I'd like to become a Christian, but I don't think I could keep it up. There was awareness of a standard. There was awareness of an expectation to learn business. There was awareness of being away. And I think in the last three decades, of course, with our seeker-friendly type services, we've relaxed. And we've let things morph in. The previous generation was just, oh, goodness me, what are you playing at? And in this way, you've got to belong before you. You've got to engage. Yes, we have to do that, you know. And we've got to reach out. And we've got to allow people in, you know. But we mustn't allow to corrupt our gospel, our faith. So society is an accepted value. Society's value today is anything goes. Everybody's doing it. Well, that's just how it is these days. So what do we do with And we tend just to go with the flow. Different groups have their particular codes or agreed practices. The rules that express their shared values. The beautiful thing about a Christian is when you go in the holiday, you meet another Christian. There's a kind of spirit. Because you have the same values. You appreciate that we went to Abu Dhabi with a fellowship of about 19 different language groups. And one of the things about the testimony of the same, the goodness of God, <laughs> confessions were the same, you know, the love for Jesus were the same, they're the same values. The temple of God. Church's standards is with that which accords with and is acceptable to Jesus. That's what our allegiance is, you know. I will follow Jesus. Him will I serve. And the word of God becomes a plumb line. Your word I've had in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and the light to my path. We walk in the goodness of the word of God. Now we're all very familiar today with folks coming into church for today's values of pleasure. Having yet to be challenged as they learn what it means to follow Jesus. But there's a difference in not knowing how to behave and in refusing to obey that which we know to be right. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Paul, he, Paul says, He that sins against the brethren sins against Christ. So we do probably, we do appreciate that folks have past problems, past differences, and things have to be worked out. But there's a heart for it. So the desire is to follow and please Jesus. And there's a need to listen and be corrected and guided. So the verse says, for the good of the fellowship, and for the good of the individual, which is the bulk of what this chaps about. So why is discipline in the first place necessary? God says he chastises you. He rejects you. 
because he loves you. He chastises you to bring you back. When he came to Paul and said, you know, why do you kick against the pricks? You goads. And God goads you back into light because he loves you. He doesn't want to lose you. So he disciplines you, first of all, for the purity of the church. Paul uses the illustration because Christ was sacrificed for you that you might have eternal life being in right relationship with the Father. He reconciled you to the Father. Dealing with the central. Yeah. That was the gap. Because he said, I can't look upon sin. It's obnoxious to me. It stinks. And it turns my head away. And Jesus reconciled that by removing, taking your sin upon himself and giving you his righteousness. And keep God, the Father, that looks upon you, clothed in Christ. And he says the same of you, my beloved. My beloved. So he's taking out the kingdom of darkness and putting you into the kingdom of light. And Paul likens that to the face of the Passover. He says, just as Christ was crucified, just as the lamb was shed, and you come out of Egypt with unleavened bread, you have to get up and leave and just go. And they celebrated the feast of the unleavened bread. And Paul says that was, you know, the leavened bread was the old one, the old life, the life in Egypt and bondage. The new life in Christ, the new one, is unleavened. And that's what Paul says. I want you to be a whole lump, unleavened, no impurities, enjoy the fullness of the resurrected life. And then he says, therefore live as a new lump. Fill me the old ways. Then man made Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. And all things become new. Paul says, don't embrace the old again. Keep us in you. Live us in you long. And unfortunately that wasn't happening in this case. And so how do we deal with it? Reading in mind the policy is take out the leaven that corrupts. He says that's communicable. Keep the wolf out because you will contaminate the whole. That's the concern. The purity of the testimony of Jesus will contaminate it all. It'll corrupt you. Hand them over to Satan. That sounds a bit hard, doesn't it? Well, I think it refers to John chapter 2 when, when God says to Satan, Well, you can have them, but don't touch his life. Well, says, Hand them over. See, the desires of his heart. That's where he wants to go. That's the heart of God. God gives you over your perverseness. They may come to your senses. <coughs> Again, get to chapter 8, Paul has sitting in well, second Corinthians, he writes his letter and he says, no, he suffered enough. <laughs> Love him and comfort. So it's not a hard-hearted man or an individual. Heart is to keep the fellowship pure and clean. So it's a question of jurisdiction over agreed values. 
Now, commitment to Jesus and commitment to the fellowship is voluntary. It's something you give yourself. Nobody twists your arm. <laughs> Nobody cares you. You voluntarily say, Lord, I will follow you. I want to join this fellowship. I want to be part of it. Therefore, that means they've agreed to obey the certain standards. The church has no jurisdiction over non-members. To them, they can only give advice, loving advice. However, members have agreed to live in accord with the Constitution. A typical church constitution would say something like this. Responsibility of members. All members of the church are expected to show to the world by their walk, word and life, that the Spirit of God dwells within them. Any member engaging in an unworthy conduct shall be liable to be erased from the role of membership. The duty of elders was to keep the gate. Elders sat at the city gate and they were responsible who came in and who came out. You know, if the slayer came for, for asylum, they would listen to his case and went in. They were to keep the city gate. The elders had to keep the gate of the church. It's their responsibility to maintain its testimony. So how do we deal with people that err blatantly? Well, first of all, it's Matthew 18. Speak to the brother concerning his fault. And if he'll hear you, you'll win him. That's the purpose of addressing. Not to condemn, but to win. If he'll not hear you, speak again in the mouth of witnesses. And if he still refuses, bring him before the church. The message verse on this chapter 5 says, No. Call the assembly together, bring the man or the fair one for you. And let him defend himself. And the appeal is, why haven't you agreed to walk with Jesus? Isn't it your desire to walk with Jesus? Isn't it your desire to keep the word? And the answer is yes. I said, then you agree that your conduct is contrary. And hopefully you'll repent and resolve the issue. But if not, they blame him for refusing, and effectively, they've taken themselves out of the unity. They've taken themselves out of the fellowship. I'm no longer walking in the shared values. Then, of course, it would be better to put them out. How do we cope with the rest? The fringe, the tender. There's a lot of wee articles on Facebook from Andy Martin and they about, you know, if you're a if you're a sinner, come to church. <laughs> if you're a lesbian, come to church. If you're an addict, come to church. Yeah. Whatever your state, come to church. Because the church is an open door. And you'll find the remedy in Christ.
how do we deal with them? Follow jurisdiction. They haven't come under authority. Well, the answer is you deal with them in love. Galatians 2, Galatians 6 says this. If a man be overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of weakness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. None of us know what lies before us. We're not like Peter, we say, Lord, I'm ready to die for you. And the challenge comes that we weren't able to. And we think we weren't the strongest we thought we were. The reality, every saint is a sinner with a forgiven past. Love one another, reach out to one another, strengthen one another. That's how to deal with that sinner. Jesus is a heart for them. He would say, well, how often should I forgive? <laughs> 70 times 7. I came to the room in the dark and he says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. We're looking to win, to change, and support. So let's be encouraged. Let's go for the positive. Jesus says, I'm the answer, I'm the way, I'm the truth of life. I'll never leave you comfortless. I'll never leave you alone. There's no temptation that'll come by your way that there's no way of escape. And if you fall, if you sin, <coughs> you have an advocate with the Father. Who forgive and justify and draw you back into the fold, lest you be lost. God loves you. He loved you when you were a sinner. He loved you while you were your sin. He loved you when you had no time for him. If you improve, he can't love you anymore. If you slip back, he can't love you any less. He loves you. And Paul encourages you, no you're not. You're the temple of God. Don't defile it. Live in the good of it. Let the Spirit lead you. And go into victory. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that even as we deny you, you don't deny yourself. You so loved the world, you gave your only son, but whosoever receives him do not perish, but have eternal life. We thank the Lord for your keeping power. We thank the Lord for your gentle corrections, convictions, forever drawing us back. We thank the Lord for your ever-loving arms around us. And we pray this morning, Lord, for any who struggle. We know that we condemn ourselves before others condemn us. 
We're all far too aware of our weaknesses and our failings and our shortcomings. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that your grace abounds in our lives. And we bless you, Lord, for your unmerited, undeserved grace. So thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us. Thank you, Lord, for going before us and delivering us. If any are feeling this morning, or drifted, or got cold, or needing to sharpen up, pray, Holy Spirit, you'd lovely encourage them with a fresh quickening. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you.